Welcome to the pilot episode of Mansi, a podcast about magic, how it works, and how it has shaped history. This podcast is about real-world magic, and I'm not talking about stage magic, and I'm not talking about fantasy magic. I'm talking about real magic techniques that have made a deep cultural impact on our history as humans. We're also not here to convert you or turn you into a pagan or anything like that. Now, I'm on the more skeptical, secular side of things. While I don't believe in mystical powers, I do believe that the belief and practice of magic has made a profound impact on society and our evolution as a species. I've conducted research on a specific magical practice to find moments in time where magic helped shape human history. I'm RJ. I'm a poet, storyteller, and voice actor. I'm also a complete dork, and I will be discussing the impact these magical practices have in pop culture as well. And this is my co-host, Elle. Hi, everyone. My name is Elle Alder. Um, I'm a professional psychic. I've been working as a professional psychic for seven years. Um, I consider myself a solitary eclectic witch, as well as obviously a psychic. Um, I feel like things are better when we believe in them. I feel like life is more fun if we believe in magic and it feels a little bit better when we have that support. Um, I describe myself as an everything but the kitchen sink psychic, meaning I can read anything you need me to except your kitchen sink, although I could probably tell you what's wrong with that too. Today, we're going to be talking about cartomancy. It's one of the most popular methods of divination that exists today. This magical practice has left deep trenches in the cultural zeitgeist, so much so that it seems to have become a mythology in its own right. It helped inspire video games like Persona and tabletop games like Yu-Gi-Oh! I'm talking, of course, about cardomancy, divination through the use of playing cards. Now, the most well-known practice of cardomancy is done with tarot cards. Most people are familiar with the Rider Waite deck. At least, it has the most recognizable artwork. But cardomancy long predates tarot decks as we know them today. In fact, cardomancy can be practiced using any kind of card deck. L, can you talk about cardomancy a little bit and just define what divination is and how the cards help you do it? Yeah, um, so cardomancy is basically, obviously, the technique of using cards to get insights. Um, I think very, very rarely, when you're doing a reading, it's very rare that the entire reading consists of future predictions. Um, there's a time period in when you enter a reading where you're establishing um, background, basically, that you're identifying with the client and you're developing a trust with them, and then you delve into the future of stuff. Um, cardomancy and specifically tarot cards is how I started reading. That's where a lot of my um, experience is in. But um, I use intuition and most um, psychics actually use intuition or different um, connect and connecting points for insights. So <laughs> there were people behind us and I got freaked out. If I gave you a deck of Yu-Gi-Oh cards, you could do cardomancy with them. 
Absolutely. Um, <laughs> do you remember the one time um, we were playing a board game and I gave you a reading using abstract art cards and then like oh yeah the next, Dixit <laughs> yes and the next day we were sitting in the car and you were like remember that time you did that reading without tarot cards and I was like yeah <laughs> I I want um, our listeners to look up the board game Dixit I think. You will like it very much. It's almost like you're doing psychic readings when you play the board game. Mm -hmm. The cards also have this beautiful abstract art on them. Definitely check that out. But I think it's a lot more fun to use something way dorkier and go with Yu-Gi-Oh here. I've picked up a, a starter deck. It's actually called a speed duel deck. Wow. Uh, it contains two starter decks uh, based on characters in the anime. Rex Raptor's dinosaur deck. <laughs> and Weevil Underwood's insect deck. And it'll be exciting to see which of these starter decks you choose and also uh, what is in the Yu-Gi-Oh cards for me. <laughs> um, yes, we're, I am part of this is that um, because I can do, I guess, any kind of reading, um, we're going to do readings with different decks different kinds of things like each time we're going to try it i'm going to do a reading based on our chosen thing on whatever we pick for the episode and so i'm excited to give you a Yu-Gi-Oh reading because i have literally never watched it i know nothing about it other than the cards are brown and black uh you know a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh is actually based on the tarot in fact all the cards in the major arcana are actually monsters in Yu-Gi-Oh they had them as part of a series uh, which is very fascinating. Uh, but now, let's talk about history. I'm ready. When I was researching the historical impact of cardomancy, I discovered a French psychic by the name of Marie-Anne Lenormand, or Lenormand, I think is the yes. American pronoun. This is what most people say is Lenormand. Mm -hmm. Um, how familiar are you with her story, Elle? She was in Assassin's Creed Unity. Have you played Assassin's Creed Unity? I have played no Assassin's Creed games. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> have played very, very few um, video games. I do like some of them, but no. Um, I am unfamiliar with her. I do know about the Lenormand. Um, I have several Lenormand decks at home. So she has her own deck. Yes. So, well, I assume it's hers because I know the name from the decks that I have. And I know that they're more based on playing cards. And it's like a more rudimentary and literal interpretation of cards versus tarot. But that's kind of what I know. And you showed me your your Lenormand-like interpretation book. And it's like a textbook. Yeah. And it reads like... Radio instructions? Like radio instructions, <laughs> yeah. It seems like very complex. Mm -hmm. But you're saying that it's also very straightforward. So is it like easy to do, but then you can like do tricks? Is it like a razor scooter where it's like easy yeah. to ride, hard to do like backflips and stuff? Okay. <laughs> no. Um, I would say, so um, I guess as a reader, I should just talk about kind of my style of reading. I like tarot cards because they're very general. And so each card has its own story. Mm -hmm. And the story, you can watch how the cards basically play into the story. You follow the threads. You'll hear me say thread a lot when I talk about my readings. Um, you follow the threads, and then you kind of pull that energy through, basically, is how I describe it. Lenormand is very, like, the dog card means loyalty. 
the fox card means being sly. So it's like very like direct, straightforward things that I think are harder to piece together because there's not as much interpretation. Also, the cards don't have the images on them and readers really rely, well, myself as a tarot reader, I like to look at the images and watch what they portray. And I, I use several different decks and readings because of the imagery that shows up on the cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually, in my research, watched a 1980s documentary on the tarot narrated by Christopher Lee, uh, which is brilliant because he's metal as hell. <laughs> he's like, the tarot tells a story and that story can come in any order. The fool represents the beginning of the story, you know, um, (laughs) and it it was very engaging for being very old. But he actually mentions Lenormand in the documentary. Like the cards or the woman? The woman. Okay. Uh, So Lenormand is considered to be one of the most famous and prolific cardomancers of all time, while... She also practiced palmistry, and which is palm reading, and other forms of divination. She was known for her famously accurate card readings. Her predictions were so accurate, in fact, that they landed her in prison multiple times because she was con- like suspected of conspiracy Goals. and spycraft. Goals. <laughs> so she was born in France in 1772. Uh, her father died, and then her mother remarried. Then her mother died. And her new stepdad had her and her siblings sent to a Catholic convent so that he could focus on remarrying and starting a new family. Essentially orphaned, while receiving some support from her stepfather, she began her formal education in the convent. So her dad was like, yeah, shoot. I got the wife, but then now I'm... Now Now I got these children. Now I got these children. (laughs) And now the wife is gone and all I have is children. Nobody We're, wants this is, this is I'm awful. a spinster. I did not agree to a, this. A black widow. <laughs> uh, so so he was like, you know, new shoe. Uh, daddy needs to daddy needs to work. I need There's to, a wink. <laughs> yeah, he needed to use like uh you know, seventeen hundreds Tinder, I guess. Which, what would that be? Like, do you think it was like... They just walked around. Oh, They just could, dressed yeah. in their really nice clothes, walked around, struck poses. Oh my God. Imagine like needing to actually be your best self at all times. Otherwise, you're going to be alone forever. That's awful. Um, I mean, it's literally just you can't separate your online persona from your real life persona. Oh no, that's why we have online personas. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were able to like rip those apart. Yes, absolutely. Um, so... This, in the convent, is where Lenormand's powers started to manifest. I want to add, um, that's actually not an uncommon thing. So a lot of times in psychics that I see, um, like, that come to me for help or people that are, like, having having Mm -hmm. the beginning of their psychic journey, whatever, um, have had, like, something traumatic happen and have had... have had some sort of um, event with, like, the church or with, like, the starting of, like, institutionalized spirituality. And actually, that's very similar. I went through this whole thing that I'm sure someday everyone will know the story of how I became a psychic. But I went to a church and I just prayed to a priest and then... Like, not even a year later, I was reading professionally in a completely different state. So this is not uncommon, and a lot of it is very tied into it. Which is wild, because I feel like a lot of really hardcore Christians are like, that's the devil's work. You're doing the devil's bidding. Um, yes, and I, you would not believe the amount of times I've gotten told that I'm going to go to hell. People cross themselves in front of me when I talk to them. Um, all of that. But, um... 
I honestly believe that Christians are afraid of it because it's real. Because they Ooh. know it's real. Ooh, called out. Yeah. Called well, out. otherwise, like, why would you be afraid of something that doesn't impact you? Unless it's real. Mm. So, um, I think that you are onto something. Because I think that part of what made her powers manifest, I guess it's like mutants in uh, the X-Men. Okay. Where it's like their powers, like, come such a dork. from, I know. <laughs> They're, they're, I, I read a lot, and not everything is scholarly. <laughs> it can't all be, right? A- actually, uh, rewind, everything is scholarly. Yeah, that's hot If takes. you're scholarly about it. Yes. Um, so, uh, as pro- probably as a response to this chaos and instability in her childhood, Maria and Lenormand began to make predictions about her classmates and teachers, predictions that would often come true. She was most famous in school for predicting which kid was going to get in trouble and then predicting precisely what their punishment would be. So she was the most hated person there is what you're telling me. Um, Sort of. Her friends thought it was like a fun game. Where it's like, okay, which of us is going to get in trouble for being out past late? Because they were all doing it. That's horrifying. And Lenormand would be like, it'll be you, Jeremy. And then Jeremy will be like, next. (laughs) And then, and the nun will slap you with a ruler until you cry blood. And then Jeremy's like, that's not real. And then it would happen. Um, Uh, (laughs) This is just me and my clients. When I'm like, this is a bad idea. And they're like, you don't know. And then two months later... You knew. Um, can you help me now? Um, so wait, was she going to a gender? Like it was both. Oh no, genders? it was it was a girl's school. It was a, okay. I, but yeah. we're gonna keep Jeremy. It was, it was I like a, Jeremy as a character. A, it was a girl's school. Um, you know, we're <laughs> we're breaking the boundary in this narrative. Um, <laughs> I need a drink of water really quick. Okay, drink your water. I will. Um, what solidified her as a gifted child, though? Oh. She was a gifted child. She wasn't like, you know, like a curse, like she's a witch. She was considered a gifted <laughs> child. She predicted the new abbess of the convent. And the abbess is like the abbey, but like the, a woman. Oh, like the head of it. Like the in, in charge person, okay. the principal. Um, after the old abbess was dismissed, they had to wait for a new one. But only the king could appoint a new abbess. And he was busy with king stuff Which so there king were delays was i didn't write it down cool okay um, no sorry. worries it's okay uh, charles somebody I mean, this is it's got to be time. it's got to be a charles there's charles all over in the in the king line um she was also born like during the american revolution so if we think mm-hmm. about like if you have if you pull on your knowledge of like french history or american revolution history then yeah you can so yeah. Uh, the king was being delayed, and then Lenormand shocked everyone when she revealed the name of some high-born lady whom she had never met or seen, and she was selected by the king to be the next abbess. Uh, the nuns of the abbey were so impressed that they began to spread rumors of Lenormand's clairvoyance. Mm-hmm. And when rumors reached the local bishop, he declared Lenormand to be supernaturally gifted. Oh, no. And so, like, back then, there were two, like, main celebrities. Mm -hmm. There was the royalty, Mm -hmm. and there was the church. Right. 
and anything they said or did was like watching like Justin Bieber. Like all of a sudden everybody knows like as soon as somebody says or does anything when you're that when you're in those like status positions you were you were famous. Mhm. Um nobody nobody was like a famous donkey herder, I guess. Uh nobody what? was famous for just normal stuff. What about Jim um on Jim, the edge of town? I Jim, mean, I Jim at the edge of He's a great donkey they herder. Listen to me. I am the best donkey herder in all of France. <laughs> I trade um, donkey herding for readings. Come on. <laughs> now, you tell me my future and I'll get them donkeys in the barn for you, if you know what uh, I mean. Jim always wants to know about <laughs> his ex-girlfriend. He just really hopes she's coming back. But, you know, he won't believe me when I say there's someone better coming. That's fine. So shortly after um, the bishop declared her to be supernaturally gifted mm-hmm. when she was 14, Lenormand contacted her stepfather who lived in Paris and begged the nuns to let her go to Paris to be with him. And the nuns agreed and Lenormand began working in her stepfather's milliner's shop where she helped sew the dresses and doublets for Paris's will to do. She also learned the basics of owning a business and bookkeeping. Why? Okay, I have like a few things. One, it's super, super common for children to come into their powers or their gifts um, when they're hitting puberty because there's so many changes that happen all at once that you kind of... Like, children are always more sensitive because that's, like, the make-believe. Like, they're allowed to believe and pretend things. And so when they kind of continue that through puberty and they're gifted, then it becomes more obvious. Mm. Two, why didn't she want to stay at the coven? Yeah. It doesn't say. So there's a lot of missing and conflicting information about Lenormand because she doesn't have a biography. She's simply a character in a bunch of other people's biographies. She's literally a plot device in a bunch of other people's biographies. Okay, but is that not being a psychic? Because that's what I am. I mean, Shakespeare would put, like, fortune tellers and witches. Greek theater would put fortune tellers and witches in to be just, like, plot devices. Of course. Um, And a lot of these biographies were written by Lenormand herself or were adapted from information in Lenormand's biographies that she wrote. She was also a gifted writer and would write... Lots of books, but seldom about herself. When she did talk about herself, it was usually only as like a brief interaction with somebody she's talking about in her biography or her account. So a lot of people say that she exaggerated details about herself, but a lot of other biographies do match up with the things she said, while some other ones do conflict. Okay, so like a few things there is like, I think... um that is kind of echoed very similarly in a lot of like psychics experiences of it's like people don't okay manic pixie dream girls right mm-hmm. like they want you around until you're a person yeah, and then a once you have needs yeah and so i feel like psychics are really that way a lot of the time but it's also a way that you can separate yourself from your work like that she's allowed to have a private life that she's allowed to be a person that doesn't have to be I don't know, on all the time or always be accessible to people. So it's like, in some ways, it's like a trope of like erasing psychics and erasing them as like people that matter, but also then um, helping, like using that as a device in her life to be able to have a sense of normalcy. Hmm. So working at the milliner shop introduced her to a lot of Paris's elite and she learned business. And Lenormand was acutely aware of her own clairvoyance 
And while she was at the convent, like before she left, she studied various types of divination using the library that they had. Tons of occult books apparently in there. She studied the practices of ancient druids, the Kabbalah, and the oracles of Delphi were a specific inspiration to her. Mm. And it wasn't long before the marriage of Lenormand's knowledge of mystic powers and her knowledge of business uh, came together. And once she was old enough, she set up her own shop as a bookseller. Though she didn't sell books. Uh, (laughs) What she sold were prophecies. She began her work as a professional psychic in her own little shop where there was like a waiting room and then in the back was her office. I am so when we've been talking about doing this episode, RJ has been like, Oh, I think this is, I think that, I think that you were incarnated. <laughs> like you're the incarnate of um, Lenormand now. Um, and that's, yeah, that's kind of the thing is like, yeah, making it legit, right? She was like, I'm gonna um, go ahead and profit off of all of this. Did she like die rich? Did she have a lot of money? We'll get there. Uh oh. Okay. Uh, we'll get there. <laughs> Okay, I'm ready. Um, uh, now, for those who don't know, L Ownsd. Ownsd. Uh, uh, um, I introduced myself yesterday as almost the former owner of a metaphysical uh, shop. COVID-19 uh, kind of wiped out L's physical store location, but it also expanded L's like online work. It's it's a weird time, and you know, I'm just I'm just a psychic out here trying to make it work, yo. So. Uh, speaking of rough times, uh, <laughs> a little bit, but very different than what we're going through today, France was also going through some rough shit. Uh, if you have paid attention to these 1700s dates, the downfall of the French monarchy and the church, those two like celebrity entities as pillars in society has like created widespread unrest through every social class. All these like normal things people began to rely on just crumbled. And Is it America? Yeah, as <laughs> as we know, uh, when anxiety is high and times are uncertain, people seek out divination to help calm their fears about their uncertain future and all these things they have no control over. Yeah. That's a thing. So Lenormand's bookstore really was just it was just a waiting room with some lounge chairs and some reading material, most of which was a cult. And then when she was ready, they would be called back into Lenormand's office. They would sit across from her at a table. And her office was adorned with all kinds of oddities, most notably are the taxidermic bats which hung on the wall behind her <laughs> just some bats nailed to the wall um i have on my reading desk inside of my office inside of my store a can of cursed water that rj gifted to i did me. it's the liquid death water that was cursed last halloween uh like he sent me the youtube video and he was like do you think this worked and i was like uh yeah that's super haunted yeah, liquid death if you don't know is a death metal themed water company that hired an actual witch doctor to curse i'm pretty sure he did voodoo their, i'm pretty sure entire stock of water um and you can buy the undo of the curse if you drink it apparently it puts a demon in you or something which <laughs> is super metal into it so i i got l a can of the cursed water as a gift i tell people that like i get like shitty men coming into the shop and they're like oh it's a bunch of skulls what's that and i'm like it's cursed water 
do you want to drink <laughs> Unholy some? Unholy water. Yeah, and I just stare at them very unsettlingly, and then they go away. <laughs> uh, anyway, this was not sponsored by Liquid Death. You should probably go buy their you water. You should buy though. their water. Like anyway. they do everything in aluminum cans because they're trying yeah. to end like the use of plastic. So it's a it's a good thing. And if you sign a contract selling your uh, soul. soul to them, <laughs> you will get a free case. Uh, um, we're probably painting some really interesting pictures about ourselves through this podcast, <laughs> yeah. and I'm cool with that. Um, so another thing that were on her desk were bottled reptiles, numerous <laughs> occult textbooks, uh, and on the table were playing cards, not tarot cards but these were cards used for a game called piquet piquet was a trick-taking game that had taken the french court by storm and was played with a stripped down deck of traditional playing cards the ones we're all familiar with in games like poker the jack queen king ace uh hearts diamonds club spades the cards um had some cards removed like the deck had the pips which are just the number cards Mm -hmm. it had pips two through six removed it's called a stripped deck um stripped yeah (laughs) and in the future when they create the actual lenormand deck it's based on a game similar to piquet but it's german and it's called the game of hope piquet has 36 cards um and uh the game of hope i believe has 38 Mm -hmm. so uh, you have a deck of the Lenormand cards. These were not the cards Lenormand used, uh, or Lenormand, rather, but these are the cards that were named after her and were inspired by her. Yes. So I think um, it's good to add, because I will probably be doing a series of um, shows on Cardomancy, because there's five million decks in a million different ways that it goes. So Lenormand is a very specific kind of deck that is actually an oracle deck. And anything that is not specifically a tarot deck that follows um, the structure of tarot, which there are two kinds of tarot decks. There are Rider Waite-based um, tarot decks, and then there are also um, Toth tarot decks. And mm. so if it does not follow those specific structures and rules that make it a tarot deck, then it becomes an oracle deck. So inside of oracle decks is like that, like that category is then also Lenormand decks. And Lenormand decks are a category of oracle cards inside of the oracle category. Okay. So if you want to just pull some and like describe for the listeners, like what they look like and what a specific card might mean. Sure. I'm just going to shuffle them up and... Elle is an expert shuffler. I want you to know. <laughs> um, it helps because I like grew up playing poker with my family. So, you know. Yeah. Do you use your psychic powers to like win at gambling? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> Um, I like playing uh, one deck blackjack, and um, I always, always guess. Like one time, I doubled down on a on a twelve, which if you play blackjack is always a bad idea. But I was like, "That's a nine. I want my nine. I'm doubling down." And literally, everyone was like, "Don't do that!" Like even the dealer, and it's a bad idea when the dealer's like, "Hey, please don't do that. You're gonna lose money." And of course, it was a nine, and everyone was like, "Okay." And then I handed out my business cards. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, okay, so I'm just going to pull a few. We're going to see kind of what they look like. This is a new deck, so I haven't yeah. looked at so it. So Elle has spread them out in front of her rather than drawing from the top of the deck and is pulling random ones from this spread. 
Yes. So, and the reason I do that is because, oh, um, I'm looking for, I don't know, I'm feeling the energy or whatever people do. The thread. The, I'm pulling the thread of the, the I don't know. The thread I just, of fate. The red thread of fate. Um, I have to say, I always do things like in a half moon shuffle, like a half moon deal out. And okay. you become a real psychic when uh, you can do the half moon. It's quite hard with cards. Okay. So the cards that I pulled... Um, so there's like different layers to these cards and the way that they are. So this deck is the Alexander Musrick Lenormand Oracle deck. That's what we're playing with today. Um, so they have like three different sections of the cards. So they have the number, the um, playing card that it is equivalent to, and then a picture. So I pulled card 33, which is the eight of diamonds and has a key on it. I pulled card 21, which has eight. It's the eight of clubs. And then it has a mountain on it. Mm. And then I pulled the card number eight, which is the nine of diamonds and is the coffin card. Oh, man, that's foreboding. Um, Yes. So I don't know much about like the card numbers or like what they are associated with like in a playing deck but based on the pictures you've got the key the mountain and the coffin so this would be kind of equivalent to i'm going to kind of rearrange them but it's like overcoming an obstacle so the mountain represents like obstacles like overcoming these things like what we're looking at um and then the coffin pretty clearly is death um death when you're looking at it through like a philosophical point of view which is all tarot and and magic and all of that is kind of more philosophical perspective so it's like the changing of things and then the key is like unlocking things so it's like overcoming these obstacles and allowing things to die to have their death in order to unlock new opportunities Hmm. i think it's worth noting that at the time in france that lenormand was reading um the face cards actually depicted real historical figures Um, that sounds like a good way to get into some legal trouble now yeah uh so the king the king of spades was david from the bible um the king of hearts was charles uh the king of diamonds was julius caesar uh the king of clubs was alexander the great um the uh queen of spades was uh athena Mm. Um, the, uh, queen of hearts was Judith. Um, the queen of diamonds was Rachel from the Bible. Uh, and the queen of clubs, uh, was just, I guess a queen It's just the word for queen. <laughs> it's the only one that's not like historical. Okay. Um, the Jack of spades was, um, uh, Ogier the Dane, um, the Jack of Hearts was Le Hire. Um, the Jack of Diamonds was Hector, and the Jack of Clubs was Lancelot of Arthurian legend. Uh, so I guess meaning could also be derived from those like historical figures and their legendary exploits, except when it comes to the Queen of Clubs, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that that can't be real that they were like and this card just like I, fuck the meaning of I it. I looked it up and it just like all of it just refers to like the queen playing card. It just means the queen playing card. 
Okay. Um, so that's, I think the thing that's interesting is like, that's okay. So I really encourage people to read or start their psychic work with tarot cards, um, tarot specifically instead of oracle, because there's enough rules in tarot reading and the cards and how they work and the structure and everything that you know what you're headed towards. Like if you start with the Celtic cross, then you know what the center cards are going to be, you know, the challenges are like as you go through things. But then there's all of these layers. So yeah, it is significant that like these specific characters from history are put on the cards and that does derive meaning and so does the picture and so does the number and so does just all of it like all of it is so interconnected Mm. and that's what makes cardomancy so interesting to me so uh what lenormand was actually using uh the deck of regular playing cards for paquet uh was called the petite etelia uh, was that Italian? Uh, I don't. I think it's French. I know it should be. It just sounded I Italian. Did, it sounded Italian. Petita. Italia. Okay. Um, so, uh, what I've done actually is I've taken uh, my yeah. regular playing cards. If you want to grab those, and I've removed pips two through six to give you a deck that was like the one Lenormand was actually using. Um, and I also ha- have a sheet for you for how Lenormand would read these regular playing cards. So if you want to shuffle those um, and start getting familiar. Yeah. Um, Lenormand's, Lenormand's career as a cardomancer really began to take off during a period of history known as the Reign of Terror. <laughs> during this time, anyone who questioned the ideals of the French Revolution or were part of the old ruling class were hunted down by mobs and executed with the guillotine. Uh, the upper crust and revolutionaries alike would visit Lenormand and ask for psychic advice for how to escape the guillotine or how to find the next head for the chopping block. <laughs> Many who survived the reign of terror uh, attributed their survival to the card readings of Madame Lenormand, uh, or Lenormand, I keep saying it wrong. However, <laughs> she did not tell everyone that they would survive. There were some that believed Lenormand was a spy or that she was playing both sides of the conflict, hiding some royals and keeping their secrets or selling some of them out when the revolutionaries paid more or when the royals stopped paying. As a psychic, I just want to say it's not your job to morally judge right and wrong. It's your (laughs) job to help every single person and... I have so many clients that are that have been dating, that have been married, and each of them I just handle on an individual basis. So probably she was selling some people out, but you know what? Say lovey. Um, I just like to imagine these royals like coming up and be like, oh, Madame Lenormand, we have to escape the guillotine. What do we do to escape our fate at the guillotine? And Lenormand was just like, I don't know, pay me 300 bucks. <laughs> yeah, she probably was like, I here's the deal, though. I got like, I'm not going to help you, but I got some friends and their finders fee. You know? <laughs> like, and then and then the revolutionary show up be like, all right. Where's these cocksuckers we wants to guillotine? You know, I think a good portion of being a trusted psychic is, like, being mystical enough that people don't... Like, you don't ever truly know who your psychic is, right? Like, And I think that's, like, it's part of it. It's, like, this this mystical kind of... The mystery. Oh, yeah, like, and I think... That you can fill in with your own, like, imagination. Oh, I mean, that's why dating is so hard for me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
Yeah, just the the revolutionaries going like, uh, what about like two hundred francs? And then Lenormand being like, mm, the cards say three hundred. Uh, the spirits just told me five. Though. Yeah, the spirits <laughs> told me five, and then they'll tell you where uh, you know these royals are. Uh, this, okay, this reminds me of. Have you guys heard of the psychic in Maine who? Um, you can pay to find your weed. Like, you can't buy recreational marijuana in Maine, um, but you can pay a psychic to find your weed for you. This is a brilliant service. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I really feel like I missed the mark on what I'm doing. Where was that for me? Anyway, it reminds me of that, of like, I'm just going to do the thing that serves me best. Um, so Lenormand's most famous clients at this time were Maximilian Robespierre Ooh. and other leaders of the French Revolution. Yeah, people don't believe me, but it is not, it's a thing for politicians to have psychics on their team. Like it is. And that's like hashtag goals for me personally. Now, the legend goes that Robespierre, Jean Paul Marat, and Louis Anton Lendesam. Uh, my French is not very good, so f- <laughs> forgive me, French people. Um, they were all clients of Madame Lenormand. Some tellings say, there's lots of tellings of this legend, but some of them say that they were long-term clients, and others say that they were skeptics who wanted to disprove Lenormand's abilities. And while we don't have a record of exactly what Lenormand told them, there are some rumored accounts. One is that Lenormand gave them a special reading. Usually, she would shuffle the cards like you just did and then give the deck to the client, and then the client would spread out the cards, actually. Okay. And the client would pick five cards, uh, and then she would do the reading. Do you know how much she charged for her individual readings? I have no idea. I wouldn't even, I think, know how to, like, equate... Those prices to what we have now. But also, she had her fame from, like, the bishop telling everybody she was magic and um, from being with all these aristocrats. So I imagine she wasn't cheap. I would think, like, because she had a shop in Paris, right? Like, you're going to be making some pretty good money, I would think. And also, I mean, you have to have quite a lot of favor um, to not have been killed during the revolution. So she was helping... um, the, I don't know, the, the aristocrats. Re- the aristocrats and the revolutionaries like, alike. Obviously, the revolutionaries had to, like, deem her, one, cool enough to stay, or two, useful enough to not be, dis- like... Uh, Guillotined. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, what am I trying to say? Dispendable? <laughs> That's what uh, ex- expendable? expendable? Thank you. Yeah. That's, like, the word. Dis- yeah. Dis- dispendable. Dispendable. That's the name of your psychic dispensary. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> Hit me up. I'll find your weed for it's, you. It's the app that you use. Um, someday when we have a camper van and we're traveling the country, you can just hit me up um, on Dispendable and I'll bring <laughs> weed and psychic things. I don't know. Um, so for the special reading, according to the legend for Robespierre and Squad, uh, <laughs> instead of doing her normal shtick, she shuffled the deck, closed her eyes, gave a violent shudder, and then threw the whole deck against her wall of bats. And then eyes still closed, picked five cards up off the ground. And that was the reading. Do you know what this sounds like? Oh, no. 
Edward Gorey's deck. Oh, Edward Gorey's spooky deck of misfortune. Yes, time. yes. Um, it's, that's literally what you do is you like shuffle it some amount of times, and then you're supposed to just like close your eyes, spin around, and toss it into the air. And I think you pick five cards, or it's like whatever's face up. Maybe it was inspired by this legend. I um, mean, I think all of it. It's you know the um, the consciousness. What is it called? It's the um, it's the consciousness that all people have. We're the like, collective unconscious. The collective unconscious. Yeah, where like you just tap into that. Like I, no one ever taught me how to be a psychic. I'm just like this, and so I you have to be in that. Like, and it was I think really bizarre for me as a reader to like read all these books and be like, I already do that. So collective unconscious, probably all the same same thing. Okay, she threw it against the wall. Picked up the five cards and set them down. We do we don't, know? We don't know. We don't know exactly what she said, but we do know the fortune that she gave them. We don't know the cards we are? Know, we know the gist. We don't know what the cards okay. are. Okay. Uh, she told Marat that he would be the first and he would die the most violent death. She mm-hmm. then told Robespierre that he would die next beneath the blade of the guillotine. Then she told Dessant that he would be in line behind Robespierre to be guillotined, and he would be the last to die. Damn. Which, like, if you're Robespierre, like, the thing about Robespierre that I am understanding from reading about him is that he was a great revolutionary, not the best politician. Like (laughs) He was like, I've got the guillotine. This is my one move. <laughs> this is the one thing I know how to this do. This is it. This is what we got. So we get all the royals, and then, oh, shoot, what do we do? I just had the one play. I guess we do it again. Uh, anybody who disagrees with me gets the guillotine. <laughs> if it works, it works, you know. It works until it stops working, uh, yeah. is the thing. So I'm sure at the time, he was very confident. He was like, the guillotine is my thing. Nobody going to turn the guillotine on old Robespierre, on Maximilian Robespierre. Uh, This is why being in your ego is a bad idea, because you're going to get killed. (laughs) Well, not long after this faded reading, um, Marat was taking a bath when a young woman came to his house to provide him with information about his Mm. enemies, and that it was urgent, like life or death urgent. And Marat invited her into his bathroom where he was sitting in his bathtub and he had gotten a pen and pad on like a stool to take notes on her critical information from the bathtub. And as he was furiously writing it down, the woman, Charlotte Corday, produced a five-inch knife and repeatedly stabbed Marat until he bled to death in his bathtub. Charlotte Corday received a four-day trial where she is noted as saying, I killed one man to save 100,000 and was then executed by guillotine for the assassination. The assassination of Marat fed public suspicion that the radical Jacobin group uh, which was Robespierre's like political party that was guillotining everybody, mm-hmm. um, were actually dictators. And a year later, Robespierre was guillotined based on such charges, and behind him in line was Dessin. Their deaths would bring an end to the reign of terror in France, and all of it was predicted by some spooky card reading in this lady's back office of her bookstore that didn't sell books. Checks out. Honestly. <laughs> um, 
Quick question, though. Is this not the plot of The Hunger Games? Like, (laughs) (laughs) isn't that the thing? Like, President Coin becomes just as evil. Is that not the tale of all the time, right? I mean, it's like freaking, now who's the dork now? Um, But Okay, The Hunger Games is great. It's great philosophical. It's pretty mainstream, I suppose. Yeah, like, I I mean, so is X-Men, but. uh, Yeah, I. Uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) And, like, I don't know. It, well, also, like, we watched Snowpiercer. In the, yeah, we did. to the front of the train, and he's like, now it's your turn to be, your turn to be the, you know, the guy. Well, I mean, I, like. Spoilers so, for Snowpiercer. Yeah, well, you should watch Snowpiercer. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for telling me your story. <laughs> Go watch Snowpiercer, you'll know. Um, but, no, I feel like that, like. People are inherently bad. Like, I am classically a cynic. Like, literally, my boyfriend um, called me a cynic. And I was like, that's not true. Then he pulled up the dictionary definition and was like, uh, literally, you just think that everyone is bad. And I'm like, it's not cynical. It's just realistic. So I am, like, <laughs> unsurprised by all of that. But that's, I think, also the thing about being a psychic is um, it's not your job to morally judge people or, like, to put you don't know, right? Like, you're just there to, like, read some cards. Like, I'm just going to pull out some cards. I'm going to tell you what the spooky space ghosts tell me, and that's kind of all we're doing here. So it's interesting because she probably could have just seen that coming. Like, anyone could have seen that coming. It's, you know, you have yeah. to you have to cut down, like, the violent people who are able to overthrow governments and stuff um, do not historically prove to be the best people to continue to run the government after the fact. Like, and that's yeah. a lot of revolutions. What are like comes that. next, like, in Hamilton? Yes. Well, I mean, I was just thinking about our founding fathers, how they were the ones that went on to build the country. Anyway, um, weird thoughts, weird political Um, thoughts. So uh, having said all that. All of that. Yeah. Can you give me the Robespierre reading with these cards? Um, So I'm supposed to do what? Shuffle them. So you shuffle them. And then uh, you close your eye. You shudder, I guess, violently. I need to shudder. Okay, uh, <laughs> the shudder is a big part of it. And is then, the shudder like ghosts coming inside of my body? Are you I wanting me to channel? This? I don't know. It might have just been like flavor for the legend. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? The shudder meant something. I'm uh, convinced. So um, shudder violently with your eyes closed. Throw those cards against the wall, and then eyes still closed. Pick up five cards and give me the Robespierre reading. Okay. Let's see if we're gonna we're about to see if I'm gonna get guillotined. Um, do you think there's like a guillotine card in here? Do you think like so? What if the Norman's ghost is back here with us now? Or what if like I'm the Norman incarnate? Oh my God! What if I'm like yes? I'm gonna predict. So, all I mean, you're me. the one that reads people's past lives. So if anybody would know that, I suppose it would be you. I know. Well, so the interesting thing that uh, we were talking about is I actually got a reading from a really incredible friend and reader, and um, I have like an intense fear about being a cult leader. Like I just am so like no, don't do that. Like you do your own stuff. Don't listen to me. If you don't like what I say, that's fine. Like, I don't care. It's, you know, I don't need to be right. Um, And as RJ was doing research for this, he was like, maybe. Oh, so in my reading, she said that she thinks that I have such like a fear of that because I actually had a past life where I was a cult leader and it went horribly wrong. And so I'm like just afraid of ruining people. And RJ was like, I think I found your past life person. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe when we do this, I'll just have like a meltdown and then I'll just... Yeah. Oh, this would be so spooky. We'd do it, put on paranormal activity. It'd be great. <laughs> that's. I don't know if I can handle another spooky movie. We watched The Conjuring earlier this week and it was... It's not that scary. It's terrifying. Hill House is way scarier. No, Hill House is just my profession. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Alrighty. So I'm gonna I'm gonna shuffle these a little bit more to get some more energy. I'm going into reading mode, so my eyes are doing my weird thing that going happens. Into, going into your trance. Yeah. I, I will say that we are only halfway through Lenormand's story. Oh Jesus. There's okay. a lot more shit that happens. I'm I'm ready. Okay. Okay. I have to shudder. Do I have to shudder? You have to close your eyes and then shudder. <laughs> shudder. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. And, and I just throw them. You just huck them against the wall. <laughs> okay. It actually looks like cards landed on the table. Yes. So I guess we're using. I actually those. have five cards oh, right in front of me. Five cards literally landed right in front of her. Face and up. Two landed in front of me. And then in front of your computer, you also got these ones. Okay. So you got. Okay. Well, let's do the ones that landed in front of you because I think that's what the ghosts have in store for you. That was. I do not. I don't know how. That to was describe. spooky. Like literally, we like pick up five <laughs> off the ground, but they bounced off the wall, and five landed right in front of her. Yeah. Like freaking like a Tim Burton animated film like wow okay um what do the space goats have to say so I'm gonna say these are just playing cards so they yeah. literally are the cards I have are the nine of hearts the ten of hearts the king of diamonds the ace of clubs and the eight of clubs so I'm gonna read my little cheat sheet and just kind of tell you guys what the meanings are because we tried to get the, a deck that was just exactly yeah. what she used. Yeah, the Petite Atelier. Well, she used actual regular playing cards, but there is a, a deck that was popularized after uh, Lenormand that had the meanings literally written on them, which is easy. Yes. <laughs> but instead um, we've got like a, a, a cheat sheet that has the information on it. Yeah, so that way, because I don't know what the playing cards mean. Um, I would. So it wants us to look at like if they're upright or reversed. And if you don't know what that means, it means that your cards are either like upside down or right side up when you put them out. So I think, I think this one is, I don't actually know which one's reversed or upright. I'm going to read them all as upright. Yeah, you probably should. Okay. I'm just, that's just, okay, we'll do that. So we're going to start at the nine of hearts. So from my cheat sheet, nine of hearts, upright, a victory, triumph, su success, oh, curiosity, nice. inquisitive, desire to learn about it or something rare slash novel, a curiosity. Um, Doesn't sound like I'm getting guillotined from that card. <laughs> with the Atelia, uh, Atila, I don't know, card launch card. So this is the um, deck that she used or that was made after her. Um, despair, feeling hopeless, disheartened, or gloomy. So it's a very different meaning oh, here. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Um, so I <laughs> that guess does sound like I'm getting guillotined. <laughs> um, so upright, uh, the Ten of Hearts. Town, city, urban area, populated area, metropolitan. Um, envy being envious, feeling discontent with another's advantage, success, possessions. Mm. And then with the carte launch card, sincerity, without deceit or hypocrisy, good intentioned earnest, which I think is a good description of you. So I'm going to put that, like, that's going to be your card. Or maybe you're the king of diamonds. Oh. Mm. You want me to tell you about your signifier card? So a signifier card in a reading is... Um, the card that yeah. describes the person getting the reading. And also, on Lenormand's actual deck, the king would look like Julius Caesar. Well, <laughs> okay. So, um, as the king of diamonds, a significant or important man, loyalty, faithfulness, trustworthiness. Um, with the carte blanche card, gold, money, gain, profit, success. 
Okay, so then... Yes. Money. Money. <laughs> that means everybody's got to subscribe to our Patreon. Um, when we make our Patreon. Help us buy a van so we can travel the country. That's what we want. Okay, Ace of Clubs. Um, big money. A large Ooh, sum. Wealth, riches, orphan, <laughs> lacking Orphaned. So it has like two different, parents. two different meanings. So there's A, which is big money, a large sum, wealth, riches. B, orphan, lacking parents, someone or something lacking <laughs> protective affiliation or sponsorship. You're just like a wealthy... Is this Charlie in the Chocolate Factory? Is this his card? <laughs> Where he's like, oh, gee willikers, shucks, all I've got is Grandpa Joe, but I've won a candy factory. <laughs> There's, I can't even think of it, but there's a really excellent Grandpa Joe, like, political meme that I saw recently that, yeah. Okay, so, oh, um, the carte blanche card is prison, imprisoned, involuntary restraint, locked up, incarcerated, confined, constricted. So what's interesting is that it has, like, both, like, oh, there's a lot of money, there's a lot of riches, but then, like, nothing else is going to go well for you. So that's kind of interesting <laughs> that that's a thing. I mean, not you, for, you specifically. This is like a monkey's paw. Um, All RJ, the magic you do for me is monkey's paw magic. RJ always says that I give monkey paw readings. Like, he'll be like, oh my God, you need to go to Elle. You have to get a reading from her. And then he'll be like, well, it'll, it sounds good, but it's going to be bad. That's just that's <laughs> just the way, my friend. Okay. Um, the eight of sp- uh, no, the eight of clubs, which is the last one that we have, is oh, upright, a brown-haired girl, art, artistic, expressive, mm. creative, craft- craftsmanship, which might you could maybe say is me. Um, oh, okay, and then with the carte blanche card, um, weakness, not strong, fragile, lacking vigor, and feeble. Well, some of these sound like I'm getting guillotined. It does kind of sound like you're going to get guillotined. <laughs> um, so let's see. Cards, no number. Okay. So I think I'm going to look at these now that I've read them. I mean, so did you have something specific you wanted your reading on or did you just want me to kind of tell you what's up? Uh, just kind of tell me what's up, I guess. If I'm so if I'm Robespierre and I'm walking in and being like, hey, how are my current endeavors going? <laughs> this is the reading that you would want yeah okay i mean it's probably not the reading that you would want but yes um so it's kind of like you have um i think we're going to use like the king of diamonds to represent you and this is just kind of someone who um is not afraid of wealth or like wants to have nice things wants to be comfortable in their life um but also wants to gain those things through um that's so fucking crazy look it looks like a guillotine. Oh my on god, the he's side. got like an axe, like right, yeah, right behind. I've well, never that's like, seen that. That's before. like Julius Caesar. Yeah, like he gets stabbed in the back. Oh my god, that's crazy. Okay, sorry. Um, so this is why I like pictures on cards because you can find interesting things in them. So it's like you're being represented as this person that's like um, loyal and trustworthy and someone who wants to take care of other people and help other people. Um, but then just kind of feeling like when you do that, like you don't get anything out of it. Like you aren't supported in that. You don't you feel like you give everyone else all this really great advice. And then you look around and you're like, OK, but why isn't this working for me? Why don't I have my life under control? Why don't I know the things that I want to do? That kind of a thing. Um and I'm going to look back at, yeah, it's like, um, city, town, 
Sorry, I'm trying to, this is, this is me putting, like, pulling on the threads. So basically when I'm reading the cards, I'm pulling on the energetic strings to see what they lead to. Um, it's a little interesting because of the Ten of Hearts, which is just kind of referring to a city. Um, it's like being in a city, being in a populated area, and or being envious. Um, so it's like, just kind of feeling like no matter what you do, you can't quite get ahead. But I think that's actually turning for you. It feels like there's a lot of this movement of like, okay, now I've found kind of what I want to do or where I want to put my energy. Because I would say like, that's a big thing for you is not knowing what to put mm. your energy into. So it feels like you're constantly like putting a lot of energy into stuff and trying to see what's going to um, take form, what's going to work out. So this is like a time period where you're going to start seeing a lot of things um, wrap up or start ramping up into better things. Um, I'm really being drawn to the town, city or urban area. And I it doesn't feel like a permanent move to me, but I I do see you being in larger cities often. Um, I think that's referring to yeah. like a traveling that we're talking yeah. about doing. And I mean, I, I tour with my poetry and like perform in other cities all the time. Yeah. So I just, when, I, it's, when it's not a global pandemic. Of um, yeah. Which someone please save us. Let us do art. Um, so there's like this kind of idea of that happening again or picking up and like finally like I just get this sense of relief of like I finally figured out what I'm doing here um the ace of clubs being big money or a large sum I think it's kind of interesting that we pointed out like both the a reading which is big money large sum wealth or riches and then the b is the orphan or lacking parents that's just batman that's like batman's <laughs> origin story <laughs> I just need a drink sorry <laughs> um no it really is like batman but I think that's also I'm going to take a drink before I keep talking. Uh, oh, I've got all this money, but Willikers, my parents were shot, and now I'm traumatized <laughs> into dressing like a, a bat and <laughs> beating people within an inch of their life. Don't worry, I don't kill people. I just make them wish they were dead. The growl yeah. from, <laughs> like, you know, the Batman growl from A Dark Knight. Okay. Um, so what's interesting is that, I, like, it's interesting that you both have to, like, I feel like you have to give up that support or be really willing to just say like, fuck it. I'm going to see what happens. And you have to have that kind of spirit in order to really get what you're wanting. And mm -hmm. I think that's the thing you're finding is like trying to play by other people's rules or expectations of you. Doesn't that's not going to lead you to be successful because that's what you've been trying and it isn't working. So it's like you're coming up against the same problems over and over again. Um, and then the eight of clubs does feel like someone that you're like associated with in this process of like traveling, of making money, of kind of striking out on your own and really seeing what's going to come out of something and really having someone to build that with. I'm a, I'm a woman with brown hair. That's me. I'm also an <laughs> artist. So it could very well be me. Um, this doesn't just feel like it's connected to me though. It feels like other people that could fit that description in your life. Um, and really, uh, kind of be aware of how much they take from you. Like, is it someone who can offer you something, um, that adds to your pursuits and like kind of striking out on your own. And I want to say pursuits is like not just a money thing, but to me, this feels very tied to overall um, wealth, overall um, success. I want to say success in your life, like finding this is what I'm going to go for. This is what I'm going to have. I'm um, really making a run for it. It feels like you've tried everything else and now we're just going to make it work or it's not going to work. And so you need to be careful of both people who can help you in that and want to support you in that. And also people who pull your energy away from that mm. and just be aware of how Fucking that plays. Energy in. leeches, man. Well, it's not even leeches. It doesn't even feel like that. It just feels like people who can't handle like stand on their own. And so be careful that you aren't adopting people who um, can't stand on their own, but also watch out for energy leeches. Things look really good. 
I really like this. Really? This is like... I'll be a rich orphan. I'll get a chocolate factory and become Batman. Better than a poor orphan is what I have to say. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey! You might not get your parents back, but you sure are going to have some money. Um, one time I got a reading because um, the shop that I own, we actually hosted several different um, psychics under my... Um, I don't know, under me that I would take care of. And one time I got a reading and this woman did my natal chart and she straight up was like, well, love is always going to be a challenge, but you'll always have money. So, you know, that's good. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So I really like this reading. I think it's a good reading for you. Kind of spooky that the five cards fell out and that they that all was seem, so spooky. They all seem very like poignant. Like it does. It feels very pointed. I mean, to me. isn't the idea that all the cards are poignant? Um, yes, but, like, and I know this is people's, like, big critique of cardomancy is, like, ooh, it's really general. Well, no shit, we're all humans. Like, we do the same things, like, of course, but how they come together and kind of what they're talking about. And also, if we just looked at this as, like, this is the reading for this podcast, it looks pretty good. Like, that's pretty solid. Yeah, I mean... It's not the best poker hand, but it's ace high. Uh, <laughs> ace high? I mean, we've got the nine and ten and eight. You could have a straight. It's not going to be suited, but, y you know, yeah. you know, you're, you're working on the come <laughs> up here. Um, yeah, I well, you know, if we were playing blackjack, we got the ace and the king. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, so. What did you think of your reading? Uh, I, you know, that was a great reading. Uh, <laughs> you also, like, know a lot about me. I know, we're, yeah. we're pretty close. Yeah. Um, and I'm certain that helps you be more intuitive. Mm -hmm. um, if uh, listeners subscribe to our Patreon, we will do a lottery of random Patreon subscribers uh, to receive these readings when we do readings on the podcast using these various divination methods that we're going to be discussing. Yeah. Uh, I think that reading is describes me very well as just like an artist who's like, um, make it or break it, try all these different projects and see what sticks. Um, maybe one of them is successful. Maybe one of them will flop uh, kind of like edge. I build my life on <laughs> uh, usually at the expense of my family relationships who are very, very religious. Um, and I am very, very not. And yeah. that has been the cause of much despair in my life well i think also um there's a thing that happens i mean this it happens for everyone but you have to um find space to fulfill your own desires and like do the things that are going to make you the happiest like that's absolutely the oh, end goal did you take pictures of those five cards probably should huh Y'all want to see podcast stuff so people can see and we'll post like exclusive posts like this to the Patreon, including like this chart of like what the what the what the regular playing cards mean. Yeah. So that you can practice cardomancy at home. So we are halfway through the story of Marie and Lenormand. Um, obviously very spooky that she predicted the downfall of these important revolutionaries, but in doing so, uh, put herself in some pretty dangerous crosshairs. Um, obviously turbulent times. People were afraid of even just talking about what was going on. And Lenormand was doing it for a living on both sides. That doesn't look very good. Well, but that's... 
that's how it is though when you're a psychic like people always come to me and they're like oh i want to be a psychic i want to i want to do all this stuff and it's like when you're a psychic when this is the work that you do it's dangerous and it puts you in a lot of compromising positions with people who are not always mentally well or people like people don't get psychic readings when everything's going great you don't get your first psychic reading because everything in your life is perfect (laughs) so I'm very used to dealing with these like really intense things and I think like I look at this and I don't view it as like a risky thing I view this as like this is what you have to do if you're going to do this work Mm. it was really answering a call for herself So even though the reign of terror was over with Robespierre and uh, crew getting stab capitated, um, (laughs) a new era was dawning and uh, Madame Lenormand would provide even more predictions that would solidify her place in high society and make her the most famed cardomancer of all time. Uh, So... uh, Lenormand, uh, after doing this, found herself in prison. So not her highest point. Basically, <laughs> the people who took out the the revolutionaries uh, were like, you were feeding them information, you were part of this whole conspiracy, <laughs> but we can't really prove anything, and you also helped people, so we don't know what to do with you. So how about prison, since we're done with this whole decapitating thing? Uh, so off to prison she went, but that too even seemed fated um because at in this prison stint she met a woman named josephine who was locked up because of her husband's connection to the french court and when josephine asked madame lenormand if she would escape the guillotine the psychic told her yes but she also told her that her husband had been guillotined weeks ago Josephine's husband had lost her head, and now Josephine was a widow. You said her head? (laughs) Oh, Josephine's husband lost her head. Josephine was a widow now. I think his head. His head. So when they were released from prison, Josephine became a regular client of Madame Lenormand, and the cards had big plans for Josephine. Lenormand performed regular card readings for her, and Josephine, now on the market, having a headless husband, um, <laughs> was looking for advice about love. Um, Josephine's friends were very skeptical of Lenormand, especially when uh, Lenormand, I keep changing Lenormand and Lenormand, <laughs> um, especially when Lenormand predicted that Josephine would remarry a soldier. And that soldier would become a man greater than a king. No, I was like, isn't Josephine like someone specific in French history? Oh, yeah. As in uh, Napoleon Bonaparte's wife? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Napoleon. Spoilers. Um, oh, well, I mean, yeah. Wow. Um, so one such friend of Josephine's, because her circles were military circles, mm-hmm. uh, was a French general named Jean Bernadotte who wanted to test Lenormand's power for himself. Um, Bernadotte decided to ask the psychic for advice about an upcoming business venture. Uh, Of course, Bernadotte was not a businessman and had no upcoming business venture. He just wanted to catch Lenormand with her pants down, giving him a prediction for something that he made up himself. Mm -hmm. He wanted to trick her into exposing herself as a fraud. Instead, 
because you know there's an instead, he got more than he could have expected. Lenormand looked at the cards and determined that Bernadotte was actually a military man and not a businessman, and that he was connected to the future emperor of France. She then proceeded to tell him that he would one day be king. This disturbed Bernadotte quite a bit. For starters, his plan to expose Lenormand had backfired miraculously. Secondly, Bernadotte was connected to Napoleon Bonaparte, who was actively trying to stage a coup so that Napoleon could become emperor, and Napoleon had been trying to rope Bernadotte into his plans for a while now. But then, Bernadotte being predicted as being king would mean that he would have to overthrow his pal Napoleon. Bernadotte left the reading without a word, and soon after, Napoleon staged his coup and became the Emperor of France, and his wife, the Empress, was none other than Josephine Bonaparte. Spooky. Very spooky. That's that's real, though. Like, all of that. I mean, people do that all the time. They think they're going to pull the wool over your eyes, and you're like, okay, that's fine. I mean, I'm still a psychic, but okay. <laughs> I mean, it was real spooky that when you threw those cards against the wall, like, five landed right in front of you. I know. Um, <laughs> uh, so, Lenormand, essentially, Josephine being her good pal, became the court psychic, mostly giving readings to Josephine, but sometimes giving readings to Napoleon himself. Often, she would predict the outcomes of battles for him and his future successes. But, as we know, Napoleon was a paranoid guy. Napoleon grew to mistrust Lenormand and was suspicious of how close she was to Josephine. Slowly, Napoleon began to believe more and more that Lenormand was actually a spy, sent to corrupt his new empire. Also, Napoleon was famously narcissistic, <laughs> and someone like Lenormand was a threat to his power and his mm -hmm. ego. What really drove the nail in the coffin was when Napoleon asked for one more important reading from the psychic. But instead of asking about a specific battle, he asked about his fate as the emperor and also the fate of his empire. He wanted to test her loyalty and if she did not tell him exactly what he wanted to hear, he would know that she was a spy. Uh, super hot take. Like, that, okay, that's, um, I have so much I could say about that. Continue. <laughs> well, Lenormand predicted that his empire would quickly rise and then fall just as fast, with Napoleon dying isolated and alone. This was not what he wanted to hear. What? Yeah. Lenormand was then imprisoned again for spycraft and conspiracy against the Empire. Nothing was able to be proven, and Josephine managed to bust her out. She then fled France and headed to Russia, one of France's enemies during the Napoleonic Wars. There, she contacted a powerful ally who she had met through Josephine before the wars had started. Tsar Alexander I, Emperor of Russia. Mm. Now, 
the Tsar uh, knew of Lenormand's, Lenormand's power and decided to use it to his advantage the same way Napoleon had. He would have her predict the outcomes of battles. And she predicted the outcome of the Battle of Waterloo, mm. which... Uh, advanced information at a time when you couldn't just like text and be like hey think napoleon's losing this waterloo thing <laughs> um advanced information like that could make or break a military endeavor uh and having now known about this massive loss that napoleon was going to face he was able to maneuver his military thusly and napoleon his empire quickly fell and he was exiled from france and he would die in exile, isolated and alone. So did getting angry at the psychic like change the outcome? <laughs> Is that the answer? <laughs> Something we should be doing. <laughs> just like just wondering for all of my clients who are like, ah, that's not what I wanted to hear. I'm just wondering if like it came out differently for them Napoleon, for getting mad. You know, I you know what it sounds like to me. It sounds like you're a traitor. <laughs> That's what this sounds like this sounds like tangerine. Um, you know, like what are the ways in which he could have changed that? Because I think the other thing about this woman, she's obviously fate based. That she's like, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, were there ways that she could have done that? Like maybe could have. Uh, I mean, it's also like really easy to look at something as fate based when it's already happened. Right. It's, like, like we can history. look at that. Like what are all the things that she was like? If you don't like, don't worry, Napoleon. If you like chose to diversify power or something i don't know not be a narcissistic phallus of a man um that might have changed the outcome of napoleon's fate Uh, (laughs) but uh okay i do want to say though the czar of russia being like i'm gonna utilize this um people do say so much to psychics and if you are not like ethical um it can present a lot of problems you know people's secret you're like a lawyer or a priest i know no, for real you're yeah literally like, a conf- in persona five you have confidants is i what mean they're called. yes and they're you um the stories that i have heard from clients and the things that they've like confessed to me um if you were in political power and that's like you were in like the political whatever realm and someone else decided like i'm going to i'm going to take you and i'm going to pay you more money and you were a psychic that was like yes that's what i want um that absolutely could happen like people could be spies absolutely so that it's kind of interesting I mean, it sure looks like from a secular perspective that Lenormand was a brilliant spy um, that just gathered information and knew how to use it to massive effect. Uh, like, you could see, like, Napoleon's, like, degrading, like, mental state and then be like, oh, yeah, you're definitely going to die isolated and alone, like so many narcissists do. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, I don't. It's kind of, it's interesting because, like, psychic work and, like, being human, like, having, like, a human body and then having, like, supernatural gifts as the bishop said that she did or whatever um 
puts you in some really interesting positions. Like, I don't actually, like, as a rule, I don't read for people that are skeptics. Like, I'll have people be like, oh, well, I'm not going to tell you. And I'm like, all right, well, here's your $100 back. Go find a different reader because I don't do that. I mean, you read for me, though, and I'm pretty skeptical. Yeah, but you don't argue about stuff. It's Like, that's the thing. I just enjoy the process. (laughs) Yeah, you're just like, I don't know, it's spoopy. And then, like, the next day you're like, hey, remember that time? Actually, RJ goes, well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of his response when my readings come true so i don't know it's kind of it's an interesting um know, it's interesting to think about like on my end to think about whether or not she actually was or she wasn't and like does that even matter no it, it really doesn't because it still shaped history as we know it um as far as the extent and how much of it is true and how much of it is legend uh that that is up for debate obviously um when doing my research i picked the stories that were the most interesting yeah um and uh i think that okay. uh l why don't you just play up the spooky theatrical nature and like have jars of reptiles and like bats on your wall and like you know to wear like a mystical robe and a wizard's hat and like really play that up instead of just wearing i don't know like um a, a shirt yeah <laughs> i am know. wearing bat leggings for the recording session it's today. halloween it time is. though i know <laughs> i would wear them all the time well i think that's the thing that's really interesting is i know psychics who are like way out there and who dress you know however they dress um and sure they get more clients but it doesn't make them a better reader and I think, like, at the end of the day, it's about what you're trying to achieve as a reader and what you're trying to do. And, like, I I really sympathize for this woman because I feel like in a lot of ways I never opted into being a psychic. Like, I didn't, like, I don't know, when I was, like, 12, they were like, hey, we got you this box. It's got a gift in it. Do you want this? Like, that wasn't what happened to me. It felt like this is just who I am and so many things were already decided for me before I came into this lifetime. And as I've talked about, like, being a psychic is difficult. It's really, really hard work. You hear a lot of really awful things. and um, um, you help people in their absolute worst moments when they don't have anyone. A lot of times my clients don't have friends. They don't have family. They don't have anyone. Um, and so I make a choice to – I try to normalize being a psychic reader. I try to say, hey, this is part of care. It's like a spiritual portion of therapy. And I work a lot with my clients. And I'm like, hey, go get medicated and go get a therapist and then we'll talk. Like that's what – that's, you know, I'm like <laughs> – 90% of it is break up with your boyfriend and go to therapy. Yeah, yeah. And the vast majority, like the amount of times I'm like, so do you have a therapist? Have you seen a therapist? Just imagine, therapist? imagine Lenormand like, you know, as the court um, – <laughs> Court magician, be like, listen to me, Josephine. Break up with your boyfriend and go to therapy. <laughs> that was like a German accent. <laughs> We're all over the place with our French today. Yeah. We got to work on that. No, like, I think that's a really interesting um, thing is like, if you're a reader and you play into all the stereotypes and you do everything, and if I said really, really vague stuff that may or may not come true, but was foreboding, um, sure, I would probably have a lot of clients, but I would not have a lot of sustainable clients, and I wouldn't be doing work that I really believed in and that I felt was worthwhile. And I think that's something that's really interesting with um, Lenormand, is that for me, I can tell the parts in this that she made the best out of, like, a situation that she didn't ask to be in. She didn't ask to be a psychic. She didn't ask to be an an orphan. She didn't ask to be abandoned. Like, she didn't want any of those things. And for her to take every single opportunity and have basically the come up of, like, okay, I'm going to go from nothing and losing my mom and losing my dad and losing everything into being in the court for Napoleon. And 
she's telling him, like, hey, you're going to die. Like, obviously, Josephine was helped by her. Otherwise, she wouldn't continue to protect her. Mm-hmm. So it's this woman who has taken um, really tragic beginnings and just tried to make something better for herself. And that is so often, I think, the experience of practitioners and healers and psychics and the work that we do. Like, this is just, this is the story of everyone. Like, we all, like, psychics have weird lives. I have an extremely weird life. I've had all sorts of very, very strange things happen um, because you just kind of go with the flow. So it's interesting because I don't want to look at her as, um, I don't want to look at her as anything but human. I don't think that she's, like, a really incredible person. Obviously, she's a very gifted psychic, and that's great. Um, but I don't think that she's a bad person. I don't think that, like, I want to be skeptical about her working on both sides or being a spy or not because that's those are just the things that you have to do when you're this kind of person. When you are a psychic, that's, that's what your life is. Um, but, I mean, why do you think she chose to tell Napoleon the truth? Um, I think because... Your ethics and your morals are very um, – if you don't have good ethics and morals, you shouldn't be a psychic, period, end of discussion. I know a lot of psychics that I've worked with professionally that have very, very questionable moral lives, um, and I make a choice to not work with them. I make a choice to not get readings from them. I do not tell my clients to go see them um, because then you can't believe or trust what they're doing for you. And there's a very, very hard decision that psychics have to make, I think, kind of at the beginning of your career and that gets made – 20 times a year after you start your career as a psychic where you can either do, um, I don't know, like you can either tell your client exactly what they want to hear and comfort them with lies, or you can be the psychic that stands behind your morals and your ethics and believes in the work that you do. Because at the end of the day, not telling someone something because you think it's bad for them. Um, well, bad for you personally. Well, I think because like she she had to have known like I'm going to get executed. I'm going to go to prison. Uh, I'm insulting this like freaking crazy guy, this like crazy like dictator emperor. Okay, but my question with that is um, how can you fault her for that decision when I'm not faulting her? Okay, yeah, no, that's fine. Um, I mean, like, how can you look at that decision um, and see anything but someone who wants to live authentically? And that's like, that's how I am is like, I just want to be like my authentic self. And like, I believe that I'm better for the truths that people have told me and for the things that I've had to face that have been really difficult. Um, And if I was in her position and I had all the history and everything that happened to her, which is crazy. And I was presented with this moment of like, I'm going to die if I say this. Well, then who wants to live with that? Like, if you have to lie to people in order to stay alive, you might as well die. And that that's what it is. It's that moral and ethical truth of, like, how in it do you want to be? And, of course, you're going to say things that upset people. But then she has the support of Josephine, who saves her, who gets her out of jail, who, you know, basically gets her away. And then someone else finds value in that. Um, like, being a psychic is, like, just Jesus praying you've done enough good things that someone's going to save you if you end up and when you end up in a bad situation like that. Mm. Like, I hope probably I'm going to tell someone something that they don't want to hear someday. And probably something really bad is going to happen to me. And I really hope that all of my clients who consider me a friend are going to come save me from that. (laughs) (laughs) And if not, then I guess I'm going to die at the hands of like a crazy man and then I'll be saved from having to live this existence anymore. I feel like psychics are tend to be kind of suicidal in that like (laughs) we don't really live in the world anyway. I mean, you talk to ghosts yeah like i i'm not afraid of death i'm wholly unafraid unafraid of death i'm afraid of suffering before i die but if someone's like well i'm gonna put you in prison i'm gonna kill you in two days i'd be like cool all right i know what to expect now um so after after the the war and everything Mm -hmm. and um 
you know, Napoleon's gone. The Tsar uh, is like, you did great job. You helped us beat mm-hmm. beat short French guy. <laughs> Uh, and now, how tall was Napoleon Bonaparte? Uh, I, well, there's the joke that he's like he's really super short, short yeah. but was he like five four or something. Some, he really wasn't that short. Yeah, he's um, just just a little bit small, but yeah, not that. Yeah, yeah. But there's the idea of the Napoleon complex, complex where yeah. like you're short and so you have to have a big ego, um, which I think has largely been disproven. I think he was just a regular like run of the mill narcissist. Um, yeah, probably. His height probably had little to do with it, and more it was the fact that somebody was insinuating anything about him that he that did not match up with his idea of himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, after the wars, the czar was like, tell you what, we have a place called Germany. <laughs> this is place that Russia occupies mm. or whatever. <laughs> we give you a little house. You do your psychic thing. You, you know, have a good time, I guess. War is over. See you later. So czar they out. Just, they just kind of... Put her up, and did did she like work, or did they like pay her? I mean, like, she got house? rewarded. Okay, um, but it was just like here's a place you can live that's safe from like Napoleon's allies uh, trying to kill you. Mm, okay. uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's in she's in Germany where she continues to practice, mm-hmm. and she predicts that she will live to be a hundred years old. Okay, and then she dies at age seventy one. Thank God, and is buried in <laughs> Germany. <laughs> I just gave an ugly podcast snort. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So after she died in Germany, she has a very famous grave that people mm. like come and they like. Do I want to s- go psychic spooky stuff too, and leave flowers and all kinds of, you know. But uh, after she died, she was so famous that this game maker guy uh, decides he wants to make a deck of oracle cards. Named after her, based on the game of hope, which is like a Germany yeah, version German, of yeah. PK, and that's where we get the actual Lenormand deck. It was released after she died, mm-hmm. um, and merely has uh, her namesake. Is it to honor her, or is it to capitalize off of her name now that she didn't use it anymore? Um, being, you know, dead. <laughs> And now yeah. the Lenormand is considered to be one of the most well-used and most complex decks of Cardomancy Oracle cards right behind the tarot. Mm-hmm. The Rider Waite, specifically. Mm-hmm. Now that we have learned a little bit about how Cardomancy has shaped... Uh, we've Some done, things, we've yeah. ...shaped, you know, history, uh, I would like... To bust out those Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Yu-Gi-Oh cards, it's time. (laughs) So Lenormand used these playing cards and assigned basically her own meaning. She turned them into her own oracle cards. Mm -hmm. So now, using the Japanese trading card game known as (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh, see if you can give me a solid reading. Okay. All right. Let's do it. (laughs) Dude, I want a house in Germany. I want someone to be like, you know what? You're okay. And like, just not really want anything from me. Also, who wants to live to be 100? It's entirely too long. I mean, honestly, though, like back then, like especially you didn't want to be 100. Dude, she lived through so much like really interesting. I mean, that's such a fascinating time period to be in. Um, I know. And people talk like, especially my, my older sisters, like it's the end of the world. Jesus is coming. And I'm like, okay, you're mixing up the end of America for the end of the world for one. Uh, and for two, um, 
the, like crazy stuff has happened in history and we're still here today. So there are two decks. There's Weevil Underwood's Bug Deck. Okay. You can use that one. Or you could use Rex Raptor's Dinosaur Deck. I'm going to unwrap this so it's going to be loud on the... Okay. And also, there is a playmat that shows you the layout for how to play Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, Are you wanting me to use the playmat? I, I don't know. You're the magic one. I don't know if that's necessary. Okay. And or I'm how doing many cards, this reading for you? How many cards you draw, how you lay them out. Um, you know, how all this like magic works. Like Lenormand created this layout for her cards called the Grand Tableau, which is still used in multiple Oracle decks. Well, the Grand Tableau is like the traditional way of reading um, Lenormand cards. And it's like, we were kind of talking about this before we did the episode, but just to tell everyone what the Grand Tableau is, is you lay out every single card in the deck, all of them, and you, across an entire table. And then you look for the signifier cards, and then you watch the cards around them. And it's basically looking at how the cards play with each other. Yeah, that new Yu-Gi-Oh card smell is like so nostalgic. <laughs> I'm like I'm like smelling it and then I'm like in like a nine year old body I'm like Gow! oh god no uh, okay uh, I just um, got a dollar for mowing the lawn and now I get a booster pack <laughs> um okay which you have to pick you don't know which one is which which one do you want um I'll go this one you want this one yeah okay. I want that one um how how do you want me to how many cards do you want me to deal well this is this is all you okay this is all you this is. You know, this is this is how you tarot read Yu-Gi-Oh cards. All right. Um, if y'all have a really good suggestion for some kind of weird medium you want me to use to do your reading, you should tell us. And okay, so green cards are are magic cards, so they they create an effect in the game that you can just play, and then the effect takes place. Um, Go ahead and shuffle those for me. Purple cards. Ooh, I'm putting my energy in it. Yeah, you're putting your energy into the uh, cards. Purple cards are trap cards that activate when an opponent tries to take a move against you. Okay. And then a trap card activates. Ha, huh, you just activated my trap card. Oh, okay. Kunai it's with a chain. meme. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know memes. I know those. Oh, this looks like the bug deck. Um, yeah, I don't know which one. And uh, the... Um, the brown cards are monster cards, and really strong monsters require you to sacrifice weaker monsters in order to summon them. Oh, okay. Just to give you a layout of Yu-Gi-Oh. I haven't played since, like, junior high. I remember I had these, like, I had Yu-Gi-Oh cards when I was, like, in, like, fourth grade. They seem smaller than I remember, but I think it's just because I'm larger than I was. Uh, I think that's <laughs> probably true. Okay. Ooh, I got the holographic one. You did. Order to smash. <laughs> <laughs> I got no monster cards so far. I think that's all and I'm gonna put that's out. That's all you're gonna put out. Oh, and one monster card. And I'm gonna do this. Oh, too. so we're doing we're doing like a cross. I don't know. Yeah, I just put them out. So I'll take a picture of the spread. So. Ooh, I got the cocoon of evolution. That's see. how you summon the. Um, Ultimate Great Moth. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's fine. <laughs> I'm going to just, yeah, do like a cursory. See, like the, the goldy yellow monster cards are just monster cards, but like the ones that are like brown colored have like a special effect. And okay. If you notice them, the cards also have an element in the top corner. If that helps you. Okay. So, okay, yeah, I, I'll just tell you guys what cards I have. 
Um, I put them kind of in a cross. So I dealt out seven cards after RJ shuffled. Um, the top one is the Cocoon of Evolution, which is an earth element. Um, it's an insect. And then going through the center, I dealt out five cards. So Eradicating Aerosol, which is a spell card. Wormbait Reversed, which oh, is we're a reading spell reversals. card. Yeah. Yes. Um, Jar of Avarice, which is a trap card. And um, it's holographic. And it's holographic, yes. Order to Smash, which is also a trap card. See, Jar of Avarice is just Pot of Greed, but extra. Just um, a trap card version of Pot of Greed. I, I don't know. Well, uh, Pot of Greed, actually. <laughs> when you use Pot of Greed, it allows you to draw two more cards. And Ooh. then you use Pot of Greed to allow yourself to draw two more cards. And then, again, you use Pot of Greed to allow yourself to draw two more cards. Got it. And then when you draw two more cards, you use Pot of Greed to allow yourself to draw two more cards. It's a meme. <laughs> Got it. Um... You can only do one jar of avarice per turn. Ooh, and I got a land card. And you got the land, a land card, which is forest. Oh. And then the last card at the bottom is basic insect. Um, That's me, a basic insect. Um, okay, but the basic insect is kind of evolving into the cocoon of evolution. Like if we read from the bottom up, um, it's kind of like this idea of like becoming something better. And then you've got the jar of avarice. So based on like what you kind of explained um, in the card, it's like you have this evolution process coming of like going from something basic into heading into something um, not basic. I Obviously the trope of the butterfly, like going into the cocoon, whatever. But then also, you know, it's like this idea of like taking more than you need um, and being really like overindulgent. So be careful, like in the process that you aren't thinking that um, it doesn't take as much as you think it takes to become who you want to become. You don't need to overdo it. You don't need to like pull all of these parts into yourself. Like you're allowed to go um, and become who you want to become without uh, like taking away from other people or like pulling energy from other places. Um, and also like your evolution in the process that you're going through now takes less effort than you're thinking. So you might as well just do it. And that is a very direct order from your guides. So I hope that you hear that. Um, so beyond the center cards, eradicating aerosol and worm bait, um, being cautious of, Ooh, being cautious of things that, sorry, I needed to pull the worm bait to read the card. Um, what does it say? If you control an insect monster, special summon two worm tokens, insect slash earth slash level one slash attack zero slash defense zero. Okay. You cannot normal or special summon any level three or four monsters the turn you activate this card. But it is reversed. Okay. So basically what you would use that card for is to just like set up some sort of like scapegoats, just like a little meat shield to protect okay. you from losing life points so they can't attack you directly. They have to knock out your little tokens first. Okay. So I think it's interesting because you have kind of this like summoning and also this eradicating. Like literally that's like what they do is like one gets rid of and one brings forward. So it's like um, being selective and cautious about the people you surround yourself with and about like how much time they take from you and like are you like i i want you to focus on like with the worm bait instead of just like pulling things forward and being like you're gonna work in defense you're gonna work in defense like i'm just gonna have these people around that are fine it's like you're not really pulling your best 
people forward, right? So you're like, just whatever, this will work, whatever we'll do. So instead of like focusing on that because it's reversed, like why don't you focus on eradicating the things that are not actively serving you and then rebuilding so you can achieve your evolution? So this is again, going back to that idea of like, this isn't as difficult as you're making it. Stop making it hard. Just do the thing. And I have an order to smash for you. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it just looks beautiful. I just want like a, a, a tattoo of this. Okay, there's like <laughs> this very like, uh, jacked, jacked AF guy. Like he's got muscles on his face, and he's got like spit, and he's running. Yeah, he's and... a little goblin. Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. It's a goblin. Yeah, he's a little goblin being commanded to go smash. <laughs> um. Yeah. Like I think, but also, I mean, obviously, order to smash, like sex, which is just, <laughs> I'm a child. It's hilarious. You know, um, I'm such a dork. I did not even think of that. You didn't even think of that? No. If I give you an order to smash, you got to do the thing, okay? <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at this guy. He's just like running. He's like, <gasps> he's full on sprinting, like, let's smash. <laughs> yes, it's so good. But I mean, in terms of like, obviously the like, having sex but also just like smash those goals you know like pull all of your strength forward and like bring everything in because you have this evolution you have this energy of like getting rid of things that aren't working for you summoning more things that are working for you and then like just plowing ahead and doing your shit like being on top of it and really really owning what you've got and kind of at any and all risk like just go for it man I mean that is kind of like how the card works I'm pretty sure that you basically sacrifice one of your monsters to kill like another one you're just like lobbing another monster in just to clear them. the path and then they die. Um, yeah, but and also when you think about that and like summoning like the worm stuff, like so the meat shield kind of stuff like together when you think about that, it's like what what are the things you have to sacrifice to become who you want to become? Mm, I see. You're like, I don't care. There's Yu-Gi-Oh mm, cards. I'm geeking yeah. out. I love this. This is so cool. Um, and then the last card I want to talk about is the forest card. Um so that's like a, it's an environment card. It's special. It basically changes the entire environment and is a lasting effect that goes for everybody playing. Yeah. So this is all insect, beast, plant, and beast warrior monsters on the field gain 200 attack slash defense. So, I mean, it, go to the forest to recharge, my dude. Like, take breaks. Like, make sure that you're, like, making space to go and fill your bucket. Like, if you're familiar with that term, it's, like, filling your energetic bucket. Like, make sure that you aren't neglecting yourself and the things that you're needing in order to be successful. Um, large takeaways from your reading with the Yu-Gi-Oh cards, which I feel like this is a pretty good reading. Honestly, this is, like, I, I would, like, stamp of approval this. I'd put my name on it. I mean... The Yu-Gi-Oh! was always kind of based on, like, cardomancy and magic. Even when you watch the anime for as much, like, garbage writing uh, <laughs> and, like, horrible plot is in the anime, like, a lot of the lore of Yu-Gi-Oh! is around, like, the occult use mm. of cards to, like, decide fates of people. I think that's, like, kind of an interesting thing about cards because, um, people, I, of course, people are, like, oh, there has to be, like, multiple of the cards in the deck, and that's how I keep pulling the tower card. Like, no, bitch, it's a tower moment. Like, you got to be with it, man. But so much of, like, cards in and of themselves is, like, very mystical because it's, like, everything is hidden. Everything is secret. It's all this idea of, like, the things that are underneath the cover, right? Um, 
yeah, oh, large takeaways from your reading. I Like the main thing I want you to focus on is really committing to your evolution and not committing to taking people along with you on that. Like if people aren't fitting into what you're doing, don't continue to hold space for them. Don't continue to like make your life work with them in it. Like you need to do your, sh- your stuff. You need to focus on what you're doing and what you're building. And you need to only focus on things that are going to give you like that are going to boost your energy that make you feel better. Things that you're actively working towards. If something feels draining, if something feels difficult, you need to eradicate that and then like get rid of the meat shields get rid of the people that are just taking up space in your life and really focus on things that are going to help you get to where you want to be and that are part of your evolution process and then i can become ultimate great moth sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I will say, though, that basic insect does not evolve. You have to get the great moth larva, uh, and then you sacrifice... You, you basically equip the cocoon of evolution. It gets 2,000 defense points, and then you can summon ultimate great moth, which is, like, a pretty strong card. I'm surprised it's, it's not the holographic one, but I guess... Um, what is that? Ch- Jar, of, Jar avarice. of Avarice. is, like, a pretty pretty good card. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean... It's also a starter deck. It would be really great to do this reading for somebody that has like their own like personal like dual deck, like they're hardcore like into Yu-Gi-Oh. They've got like yeah, the arm, or like magic, the like the like the arm thing that we used to play with, where we'd put our cards in like the arm thing, and we'd pretend that they were holographically summoned out of the ground. And you can't see my you know, face, you, but if you could only see the face, you gotta I watch just the show. Him. Yeah, you, you gotta watch the show. <laughs> Um, yeah, actually, that would be really interesting to have people bring like their own. Well, I mean, you could do that through psychometry. It's got their energy written. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Psychometry. So uh, psychometry is a form of like divination. uh, Where I don't know if it's is it divination. I I think so. I think it is. It's like a psychic thing. Yeah, like you touch something and then you are connected to the emotions and history and fate of the object. Yeah. And like most a lot of it is about like the people who've held it. Like I have done I've done a lot of like psychometry workshops and stuff. I don't know if like a lot. It's not very hard. It's really easy to do psychometry. But um, oh, is it? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a real psychic. So, yeah. Um, So because it's the same thing as like so when people when readers have you shuffle energy or like shuffle the cards, it's so that they can tap into your energy. You're basically giving them like permission to go into your energy to read because that's what you that's what you have to do is basically obtain like. Well, I guess you don't have to have permission to read You're like a vampire. You have to be invited in. Well, I prefer to be invited in because then less people get angry, unlike Teresa Caputo, who doesn't get invited in. Who's that? She's the Long Island medium. Oh, she's the Joyzy psychic. Yeah, she's the one that wanders around and tells people about their dead ancestors, which is always a bad idea. It's coming to me. It's coming to me. Your uncle's name starts with a G. With her nails. Is it George? (laughs) Is it... I'm I'm getting like a a Gary. Ah, His name is Jerry. See, I told uh, you. See, I knew. I knew. I knew it. <laughs> I'm a real psychic now. Pay me. Yeah. Unlike that, um, you, I obtain permission from people before I read them. And so when you're shuffling, you're just giving the psychic your energy, basically. It's a super easy way to do it. Well, uh, I just got a reading with Yu-Gi-Oh cards. That's a lot of fun. What did you think? Do you feel like it works? Honestly, yeah. I think you should do more Yu-Gi-Oh card readings. I think you should go to Game Night Games and do cardomancy <gasps> for people. I should go at, and be like, listen. Store. Yeah. At the Yeah. 
or go to go to Haster's because it's a little spookier. How about when we're traveling the country? Um, our or Spend Gillies. Spend Gillies is my favorite board game store in America. Where is it? It's in uh, Omaha, actually. You, yeah, right. Omaha has a good zoo in that. Um, yeah, so like hit us up and hit up your like local gaming shop, and I'll come and do readings with your decks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> Please support the show on Patreon. Um, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you'll get access to like exclusive posts, pictures of, of like the uh, magic that we're going to be doing in the episodes, uh, and also just access to like some exclusive stuff. And we will randomly draw names from our Patreon supporters to do readings on the show. So Using, we're not yeah. just doing readings of me all the time. Um, we would get bored. I, I would get bored. You'd get bored. Uh, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm exciting until I'm not anymore. Um, so that's everyone though. That's, is it not? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a history of my dating life. Um, um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> man, uh, pretty much the takeaway from this show is that, uh, it's hard to date us. It's, it's good to know. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> break up with your boyfriend. Go to therapy. Um, um, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> if you all are looking for a sign and you're like, God, I don't know if I should just do the thing. This is me telling you to do the thing because you know you have to do it and you've just been ignoring your intuition. Break up with him. Go to therapy. Stop dating people <laughs> and just like make money and live a good life. That's my advice. Um, so, yeah, I think next time uh, the next uh, Mancy we will cover is um, bibliomancy. I love bibliomancy. Or, auto- or uh, automatic writing. Ooh, yeah. Are yeah. you going to have me do automatic writing with like a computer or actual writing? Oh, I'll bring my typewriter. Ah, <sighs> yes. Oh, yeah. Then we could tell the story. Yeah. yeah. Um, or I guess spirit writing mm-hmm. um, is a uh, – or psychography. Mm. Uh, oh, is, is psychography. What it's, what it's also called psychography, um, which is a, uh, I guess, is is it a type of, of bibliomancy? Um, um, no, bibliomancy, you would look at, at books, right? So, yeah, bibliomancy is using books to foretell the future. Um, when you're doing automatic writing, spirit writing, or psychography, um, you are channeling. You're channeling a spirit in order to do that. And so it is a different set because bibliomancy, basically, spirits will lead you to the answer. And then, like, other kinds of, like, automatic writing and that kind of stuff, you're actually channeling spirit to to get the answers. Well, uh, yeah, I think our next our next Mancy, uh, I don't know, we'll decide. Uh, go on Elle's Twitter and demand yeah. either bibliomancy or automatic writing. And I will start doing research on uh, interesting stories um, and like spooky history and different uh, ways these practices have influenced um our everyday lives. Yeah, and uh, my name is L Alder, and you can find me on Twitter at Laurels of Lux. L A U R E L S of Lux. L U X. And you can also just order readings from L uh, through Etsy. Yep, and I'm available at that same handle. And you can pretty much always get a hold of me, and I'm happy to help you guys with anything you need. And if you like me, um, <laughs> who likes the less who does, interesting of the two? <laughs> who does like me? Uh, that's, um, 
So um, my website is rjwalkerpoet.com if you want books of my poetry. I have one that's about Pokemon uh, <laughs> if you're interested in like commissioned poems. Um, and I have my own Instagram or my own Patreon called Dollar Compliments. Um, just patreon.com slash dollar compliments. I'll write you a little compliment and mail it to you and post it on my Instagram, which is also at dollar compliments. Um, and I'm at Dala compliment on Twitter because there was a limited amount of letters I could use. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, support the show. This is obviously, this is our pilot episode. So let us know what you think. Um, and keep your, keep your eye on wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on your podcast app so that you can see when we come out with the next episode. Thank you. See you around. Thank you again for listening to the pilot episode of Mansi. This is a brand new podcast, so to get it off the ground, we're going to need your help to share it with other people who are interested in magic or spooky history. This episode was produced by me, RJ Walker, and it was also written by me, and it featured the psychic talents of L. Alder. You can contact me by emailing rjwalker.scia at gmail.com or reaching out on our social media platforms. The royalty-free music was provided by, in order of appearance, Hayden Fulker, Scott Buckley, and Miyu. Oh, and remember that guy I mentioned earlier? Bernadotte, the skeptical general who Lenormand predicted would become king? He didn't actually have to overthrow Napoleon after all. Due to a series of unexpected deaths, he became the king of Sweden. <laughs>